Welcome to the Perimenopause Power Podcast. We are Lisa and Natalie, two certified holistic health coaches passionate about helping women embrace their physiology to elevate their highest potential for confidence, health and energy. Perimenopause will be unique to you and each episode gives you the power in knowing that you can define your own journey. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Perimenopause Power. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Nat. How are we today? Going fabulous. The uh, sun is shining for us today for our uh, mm-hmm. wonderful interview that we have lined up with Jane Bennett. Hello, Jane. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Lisa. I'm really excited to be here with you. Oh, we're thrilled to have you. And let's give a bit of a background to who Jane Bennett is. Jane Bennett is a menstrual educator and author with a background in social work, clinical hypnotherapy, and natural fertility management. Jane is the creator of Celebration Day for Girls and Fathers Celebrating Daughters. She also founded the Chalice Foundation to promote menstrual well-being, education and positive menstrual culture and is the author of numerous books and resources in this field. We are thrilled to have your, your knowledge, your passion and your experience, Jane, join us today. Mm, thank you. So we'd love to know, and just by way of introduction to you and your work, where has your passion and your love for this work really come from? Uh, yes, I'll try and keep this brief because it is a, it's a lifelong thing. Uh, it's certainly not what I set out to do when I went to university and studied social work and so on. Uh, but then in my mid-20s, I uh, learned the methods of uh, natural fertility management, which is a, a, a set of fertility awareness methods. And uh, it had a really a huge epiphany around how valuable it is to understand our cycle and understand our bodies. At that time, my motivation was for contraception, uh, which it worked beautifully for me right through my fertile years uh, and when I wanted to plan conception too, I must add. Um, but then that became a secondary benefit and the real benefit that, that, that just continued to unfold for all those uh, cycling years Uh, was understanding my body, understanding myself, understanding where I was in my cycle, what my needs might be, what my strengths and best expression and best way to care for myself might be. Um, And this was uh, just the beginning of understanding that. And part of that beginning was feeling like we all should have this. (laughs) We all really need to understand ourselves and our bodies in this way. And uh, that's just grabbed me ever since. (laughs) Mm. You know, and I love that, Jane, because um, it all culminates into a report card, doesn't it, as well, around how your body is actually functioning and what that means, you know, with the ebbs and flows that you go through. Um, You know, we're always talking about it being a report card with our clients and the people that we work with because it's... It's, it's a really powerful thing, but we don't see it that way, do we? We don't see menstruation, uh, women's health, menopause. We don't see it as a positive thing that it can be. And, and that's, how, that's what we've been taught. And, and we're mm. at a time now where, where uh, many of us are starting to have other different understanding, and this is coming from all different quarters. The um, American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists several years ago uh, put out a paper to encourage their members 
to always, whatever, whatever a patient was coming in for, to always check on their cycle, unless, of course, they were pregnant or <laughs> something mm. obvious, obviously not having a cycle, but to always see where that was sitting. Because as you say, Lisa, it was a, uh, it, it's a really valuable report card. Um, and once we learn how to read that card, you know, it's such a shorthand for checking in with ourselves and and what we what we might need to do for ourselves in the next month, or what would what would help, rather than waiting till our 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 health or our energy or our mood is is really devastated. We can we can just make those subtle shifts and balances along the way. Mm, beautifully said, and actually, it was in one of our other podcast episodes with Grace Zelinsky, who spoke about how, as a society, women we have given up our power by not having this knowledge and education. And and our conversation was specifically about perimenopause, but the same applies to menstruation and our cycles as well, because we we have not known we have not been taught we have just really given away that power and that ability to know ourselves on a really deep and holistic level that it as you as you say it's absolutely time that we do come into that and understand that and and i know and lisa you'll you'll share these too a few years ago when we came into this knowledge for ourselves in the beginning too it was it was an epiphany and it was really just an aha moment where you're like what <laughs> how come i have not known this and why am I not using this absolute advantage and harnessing my body for all the things that I want to do and the way that I want to feel and, and my health? Um, and sometimes you get a little bit frustrated, but then you're like, okay, well, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm here. Yes, I haven't done all of the things that I could have done, but then that's not at my fault. It's just we've never spoken about it and it's just that that conditioning that we've had as a society. Mm, absolutely. And, and I think uh, when, when you're talking about this, in a way, the, the disempowerment of not having that. I would say still now there's a, a small minority of women that have had uh, either an introduction or someone in their life early on who was able to speak to them even positively and knowledgeably about about their bodies, about uh, about the changes of the menstrual cycle and so on. So we haven't had the language, we haven't had the modelling um and you know even from places you'd we'd perhaps expect it to be uh it's it's just not be, it's just not being there for anybody and in fact even in um you know current medical training uh other than just the, the very much what i call the, the plumbing approach uh there's uh there's there's no exploration or or teaching around you know a, a full appreciation of of the menstrual cycle, uh, menstrual conditions, and so on. And as an illustration, uh, my understanding is today, as we speak, there's only one medical course in Australia, medical training, that even has a particular session that's 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 tested uh, on menopause. Um, mm. Whereas you think, you know, half the people or perhaps more that are coming into a, a clinic um, are going to be going through, uh, are going to be in some range of this of this experience um, and it will impact whatever other health condition they're coming in with or, or whether they're coming in with that specifically. So, you know, that we need to change things on all, all levels, basically. <laughs> 
Yes, we we absolutely do. And it's funny, I was having a conversation with a friend yesterday and just talking about um, her body and her cycles and she said, it's just the worst being a woman. And mm. I was stopped in my tracks and I had this little smirk on my face and she said, oh, are you smiling because you agree? And I said, well, you know, a few years ago, I probably would have agreed with you, but now that I have the knowledge and it's hard to unknow what you you know now I I completely disagree with that statement and just as you said you know we've all got someone that we perhaps have passed on education to or some sort of sort of thought process to and that was me imparting some different thinking for her that you know there is so much uh, wonderful power and uh, opportunity that comes from connecting with your body um, without you know without sort of pushing her too far because I think you know it's it's little steps isn't it it's not something that we can just instantly turn off or turn on overnight and um that's a good segue actually because um your book it's about bloody time I've read that twice and I remember when I read it once I said I was all I was doing was I was sending Nat's different quotes out of the book and going this is so true. Oh my goodness! This what? What about this fact? It was, it was so bang on. And the educate if you only read one book, the education in that book was quite profound for me. And I read it not long after it was re- um, uh, released, which was only twenty twenty, I think, from memory, or twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Yeah. Middle middle of twenty nineteen. Yeah. yeah, and I loved that the research was so. It still is so current and it's come from, I think, a lot of your respondents were from Australia and New Zealand from memory. Um, but it also talked about those norms and what we've been brought up with. And how did the book come about, though, Jane? Like what was the impetus for you really getting it off the ground? Like was there something really burning? I know we've talked about a lot of things so far, but was there something in particular that was the, I've got to get this book together, I've got to get it out? Well, it was really uh, it was really a combination of a of a small group of us and the Victorian Women's Trust. Mm. So we went to the to uh, the CEO and uh, the chairperson of the board and talked about uh, uh, you know what we'd like to do. And and really at that point it was quite vague. We just wanted to to further the whole project of a positive menstrual culture in some way. Mm. Um, so we we went and had a meeting with them. You know the lights went on for them. They they really could. They really some of the things that that you've both spoken about. They really got excited about the potential and the possibilities. So it and that was in 2013. <laughs> so wow. that was 10 years ago now. Um, and 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 like a lot of these things, I mean, when you get to the end point, it seems so obvious that of course this is what it was going to be. But it went through many stages, very organic. You know what the what this actually was. So there was a the as you mentioned the extensive survey that was uh, a lot of which was online, uh, but we also had twenty two conversation groups uh, around Victoria of different age groups, uh, girls from twelve to eighteen, then eighteen to thirty, thirty one to forty five, and forty six up. Um, and that last group was uh, those who have uh, reached menopause and. Those who are still cycling. Uh, so we had the, the oldest person we had was 80. So, you know, mm-hmm. quite a wide range. And uh, for me, I mean, I've been 
as you gathered, I've been working in this field for, for a very long time and I was still blown away by the responses that we had, uh, many that were so poignant. We had uh, qualitative data, which was just, you know, yes, no kind of questions uh, and, and then also room for people to, to express uh, in comments, you know, their own experience and so on. And it was... The, it was really profound, and uh, some of, like I'll just give you an example of one of the statistics. So this was in the twelve to eighteen age group. So seven out of ten of girls and young women in that age group expressed that they hated everything about periods, or most mostly, uh, and that's huge mm. uh now we can we can unpack that and think well some many might be having really difficult symptoms uh but it isn't uh it isn't black and white it's not just tied to symptoms it's it's the it's the taboo it's the social discomfort it's the sense of inconvenience and to me fundamentally it's it's an unnecessary thing to feel to feel that discomfort and shame and embarrassment and uh, anxiety around it, and it isn't really coupled with degree. This is what we found in the research uh, with the degree of either pain or, or other difficult symptoms, uh, because there are some people with those that still really embraced their cycle and wanted to work proactively with it for. Their, their health and their well-being, and also just simply to understand and work with the, the cycle itself. So it's not a, you know, it's not a black and white thing. Mm. It's, isn't it? And it just goes to show you that the, um, you know, how we've been brought up, the history, the norms, uh, the stories, how they play such a big role in it. And, you know, we're making inroads, but, geez, we've still got so much work to do, don't we? Mm, uh, we absolutely do and and these things are you know when when we have a deep cultural uh collective approach like this it's deeply unconscious so mm. we do find and i do find this in a lot of articles a lot of literature where it's just expressed as a given that we all think this is crap mm. you know it's just it's just expressed like that and of course i don't and that hasn't been my experience. Uh, so it's like, well, I accept that that is your experience, but it's not everybody's and it doesn't have to be. Um, so <laughs> so it, takes a, uh, it takes a degree of consciousness. And I find the, uh, the women and other menstruators who, um, who take the steps toward, I want to understand this. I want to, I want to, I want to be present with my cycle, no matter what the experience is and no one's saying you have to love it or celebrate it or honor it if you don't want to you, you know totally I respect everybody's experience um but the key is attention giving some attention how do I feel at different times what are my needs at different times uh if I would just step back a little bit objectively and say instead of saying well this time of my month is great this time is dreadful and I always hate it uh, rather than stepping back and saying well what are my strengths here what are my needs here what are the challenges what are the opportunities because actually when we do that we find even though we might feel quite different at different times there are there are strengths at every 
at every stage. And it's a bit like if we consider the, you know, the, the seasonal cycle or the day-night cycle. Yeah. Uh, there's, it's very different at 2 a.m. than at 2 p.m. <laughs> um, and, and, different, and different times of the year as well. And if we were to, you know, um, head outside in our bathers in the middle of winter, um, you know, we'd get sick. And, and vice versa, if we were to head out in our puffy jackets and woolen hats, you know, on a, in a heat wave, we'd also get sick. So uh, it's when we push against the cycle that uh, we, we often either start to have symptoms that are difficult or we exacerbate the symptoms that we have. Mm. So beautifully said. And, you know, I think to the other great, um, awareness that we can create for ourselves as women and, and particularly as we come into aging and perimenopause and even beyond postmenopause is that, you know, that ingrained feeling that we have about ourselves. So we just came off a call. We've got a um, community group for women called Women Thriving Together and we have a regular uh, virtual meetup and we, we just talk about various things and have a check-in. And one of the things came up around loving yourself and, um, you know, acknowledging that for many of us, we probably don't really like ourselves that much. And I'm talking from a, a holistic point of view um, because, there is a lot of ingrained conditioning, but also what feeds into that is, is the feelings that we have about our body and cycles being one of them. And I've shared on multiple occasions in, on the podcast that I got my period when I was 10 years old in grade five, and I was devastated. I was absolutely shattered and I cried and I tried to hide it for as long as I could from my mum. And, and that just was ingrained in me for a very long time. I used to hide it at school because one of the other girls used to get teased and I thought, no, I can't let anyone, you know, know about this. And so that was me even through my 20s hiding it, you know, being on the contraceptive pill. And it wasn't until you sort of look back and you think, yeah, geez, that was that was an ingrained feeling that I had, not just about my cycles, but about myself as well. And I think there's a real great education and power that can come from acknowledging and seeing that relationship that you've had with your body, particularly before you come into perimenopause and postmenopause too, to really just tap into that that self-love, that that self-care and that kindness too, because you know, we know that perimenopause is a really pivotal life phase. And, you know, the more that we can feel connected and feel that self-love and self-kindness, we can be our own best friend and our own greatest support through that too. So, you know, I think that's, yeah, you know, what you shared in that book just epitomizes, I think, what a lot of women today had back then when they first got their period and also through their lifetime too. Mm. Oh, absolutely, and and you you said all that beautifully. Uh, the interesting, another interesting thing we found with the book when we looked at the um, you know the experiences and attitudes of older women and girls now and young women in their in their twenties, there really wasn't any substantial change in yeah. their attitudes yeah. to their yeah. to their periods and their experience. Uh, which was also surprising. I mean, we we would have expected, you know, at least a degree of a, a degree of change there. Now, I I'm, I live in hope, and I hope that I hope that that is changing. 
Um, and, and I certainly see and hear more of that kind of change. But I, I have to confess, I live in a bubble. I live in a positive menstrual bubble. So um, I tend to hear those kind of things. So I don't know really, you know, how that is happening across the board. But even through our work with About Bloody Time and beyond that, the, the child of About Bloody Time is a, is a much smaller booklet called Ourselves at Work. Uh, which is particularly focusing on some very practical aspects of, uh, of the workplace, workplace policy, workplace adjustments uh, to support women with their menstrual cycle and also through perimenopause and mm. menopause. How do you find, um, Jane, the take-up with, you know, we, we're seeing workplaces taking up menstrual and menopause policies um, you know, um, not at a rate of knots that we'd probably like to see it happening, but it is happening. Uh, do you find, well, what, I'm not the negativity around it, but what do you think the reluctance might be from workplaces in relation to taking it up? Mm. Um, well, I, I just want to say first up, I mean, I'm amazed at how quickly things are happening on, mm. and on all sorts of levels. Mm. And it is trickling through, you know, it does take time and, and there is also degrees of reluctance I a couple of weeks ago I was at um, a Shire Council we, we ran a, a session on the menstrual cycle there for um, an hour and particularly looking at it in relation to the workplace so there was some sort of very practical side mm. how to have a conversation as well as well as looking at you know what might the complications what are the percentage of uh, people that are experiencing difficulties with their periods and that was we had men and women in, in the room uh, and that was and that was really very positively received uh, so just coming back to your question Lisa um, I think I think it's it is this this just coming back to this cultural taboo the cultural shame that we have uh, it, it, it's so much of it's unconscious it takes it's it's very easy to um, justify that in some way to make it, oh, no, well, we don't need to do that or that's unfair to the men or uh, there's there's lots of or we, we just want to keep, why can't we just keep that still secret <laughs> um, and not get uncomfortable? And, um, you know, which is how we've all operated mostly for a long, long time. Um, but as as you sort of mentioned with you, when you're talking about your experience, Natalie, as a, as a girl and young woman, uh, there's there's um, there's a huge amount of isolation in that mm. and and aloneness despite how common this is and how normal it is uh, the <clears throat> number of women who have had spent a long time feeling very alone anxious worried um, hating the experience uh, and and that's a cultural overlay. It's not necessary. So that when we turn that around and in a workplace normalise uh, the experience, it doesn't mean we have to know everybody's personal business if they don't want to share it. You know, it's a very different thing to that. But if we can normalise in such a way as, well, um, adding something about uh, menstruation and menopause to relevant workplace policy, uh, just to providing pads and tampons in the loose, um, you know, if someone having adjustments for people who need support, it might be a woman uh, 
experiencing symptoms of menopause who uh, or perimenopause who might need to be close to the loose or close to a window she can open. These things aren't rocket science. They're, yeah. they're really quite easy. And to be able to have straightforward conversations, and we know through our data and quite a bit of data that's coming through now, is that this really supports uh, productivity in the workplace. If we're able to acknowledge our cycle and have times where we're, we're, we might, when we might need more self-care uh, and able to do that, then at other times, you know, we really are firing on all cylinders instead of just getting over our last period, for instance. Um, and similarly, if a woman is experiencing uh, considerable symptoms with menopause, being able to adapt for a while, you know, maybe adapting hours at working from home more, uh, whatever, that, that so that she can take care of herself and come through rather than feeling that her only choice is to leave work. Mm. Uh, and and we are losing, if we don't take care of uh, people in these stages, we're losing highly skilled senior staff um, for something that's, that's quite manageable. Mm. Yeah, so true. And it's very much going against the representation of women in senior positions the strategy that that government that workplaces and businesses have if we're losing these women well you're not going to be achieving that that strategy and and I know that's just that's one piece of it and it's the woman's health that is probably most imperative but still there's a huge focus on on that strategy so we have to start seeing this as part of that strategy and offering that support so yeah so so beautifully said and and you know there's absolutely so much change that we have seen just in the last two to three years and and it, it's great that we are having more of these conversations um, because there, there was especially a few years ago and you've probably saw it um, a while ago too just that constant no it's taboo or no we can't talk about it and uh, no we don't want to bring it into the workplace but we're definitely becoming more and more open to it which is great. So this podcast, Perimenopause Power, is all about inspiring others to come into their power and learn to nurture and connect with that power. And you may have already shared, Jane, what coming into your power is to you, but we'd love to hear in terms of, you know, through your lifetime and where you are today, what does coming into your own power mean to you? Mm. Wow. How long have we got? <laughs> I'm keen um, to hear your answer, Jane. Yeah, well, um, this is off, off the cuff answer. So for me, the you know, it's incredibly powerful to take the time to step back and just be present with ourselves and for me, with myself. And as I, I learned that through my cycling years, really, I think probably the key time in the cycle for me, and this was sort of a gradual development, is really learning to let go in the day or so before uh, I, my period started. So I'd, I'd know, you know, for me, sometimes I, I know everybody has very different patterns, uh, but for me, I'd really start to feel, might be one or two days before my period came, I'd start to feel, you know, sick of the world, I'd be... You know, I, I, I stopped wanting to save everybody <laughs> and, uh, and and would in, in the past would get very judgmental with myself. Like, oh, you're not going to get anywhere if you don't do this. 
And um, But when I realized this was really a very natural part of my cycle and I learned to just recognize that moment and let go and really in a way bottom out. It's like I'm not going to worry about house and garden now. I'm not going to worry about perfect nutrition for everybody now. Everything can just 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 sink and all those expectations can go. So it was like it got to be like switching a, a flicking a switch in my head and and going on holiday in a way. Now it doesn't mean I didn't still have commitments. Um, and but I was able to just go, what are the key commitments here? And everything else can just wait or go. And some of those things I just didn't pick up again. It's like, no. You know, that's not important. <laughs> uh, so it's a major pruning time, which is exactly what's happening uh, to the endometrium, to the lining of the uterus and the effect of uh, progesterone in that second half of the cycle is maturing and pruning the cells. Um, and then, of course, at the very end of the cycle is is the drop in progesterone and the uh, and the changes where which which release the, the lining of the uterus. So it is a time of release. It's a time of letting go. So we're two weeks earlier, we might be saying, oh, yes, I'll do this for you and I'll do this and here's a great idea and here's another great idea and all of this is possible. Two weeks later or so, we're feeling like, oh, why does everybody expect all this of me and depend on me for all of this? And if we understand ourselves and observe ourselves with a kind eye uh, during, during all those changes, uh, we can we can see that this is going to be different and we can communicate better to the people around us. So uh, for me, this was, uh, was and uh, even still is, I don't have a cycle now, but the learning from that remains with me and uh, gets, gets freshened up from time to time too, of course. Um, and we get, we strengthen our our sort of emotional and psychological and spiritual muscles by doing that practice by treating the menstrual cycle as a as 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 important a part of nature as anything else so we might go for a bush walk and notice the beautiful you know rocks and flowers and trees um and yet culturally we're very critical of uh the menstrual cycle and feel that you know, off for a lot of women, the two weeks out of four are really horrible and they don't like themselves. And uh, rather than going, oh, this is all part of nature. So what are the, what is the, the, the beauty of this part and this part and this part? Um, so that for me, that was the, the essence of empowerment and being able to honour where I was at and what was going on. And sometimes that was easier than others for sure. Uh, and took more work, but by really being present and seeing what was going on and seeing where the natural flow of energy was, uh, whether I was more or less introverted, had more or less energy for production, um, or needed to just be very more still and quiet and what 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 that was about. And sometimes that was good for some uh, other kind of, you know, either work in the home or, or uh, productive work uh, that was just more sorting through stuff and clearing out a file or a drawer or whatever. Um, so it's not like you can't do anything. It's just different kinds of uh, ways of being. So that was a long rambling answer, but it was a great question. Thanks. <laughs> no, I, 
I, I love that actually. And I was nodding my head because I love the bit where you talk. And we, we, we always say, just be careful what you say yes to now and two weeks down the, uh, down the road uh, is when you have to fulfill that yes. And if you, are you really going to feel like doing it? So just be aware of it. And it's amazing how many women haven't made that connection either. And, you know, you talk about, you know, just doing some different th- things through different stages. It's such a power. And I, I remember when I, um, you know, how you would feel, you know, you'd go for a jog and then one week and then the other week you'd think, oh, I just do not feel like doing that, right? So it's such a powerful thing to understand how your own body works from a women's health perspective and this women's cycling perspective. And the sad thing is there's a lot of women that still aren't aware of the power of what that of what you've just explained. So it was a beautiful, powerful response. Yes, beautifully said. And of course, I was smiling and nodding profusely as well. So <laughs> thank you so much, Jane. Uh, Lisa and I could just probably listen to you talk uh, all day, actually, because your your wisdom and your passion and your own experience just really shines through when you talk. And, uh, you know, I, I guess how lucky we are to be able to also say thank you for um, being part of the book about bloody time and and writing that book, because it really has imparted so much knowledge and wisdom for us and we we are paying that paying it forward with that book um, to anyone that we can just um, by way of introduction to their cycles and their bodies so yeah so thank you thank you for being on our podcast and and for the work that you do thank you it was uh it was a delight to speak with you Thanks again for sharing your time with us, learning how you can be your best energetic self no matter what life stage you are going through. Be sure to contact us if any of this content resonates with you. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any of our future episodes. See you next time.